hotel shit from Shinola. It's just that we don't always prefer Shinola. Welcome back to the DMT World Podcast. In today's episode, we sit down and speak to Laura, the founder of Supernatural Recovery. Laura started Supernatural Recovery as a way to teach the mind-body practices she's learned in her early years to assist others who are in need of alternative means of recovery. She shares with us her story of surviving abuse and violence, which led her to drinking heavily to mask the symptoms which were caused by this horrific ordeal. Just as a caution, her story may cause triggers for those who've been in similar situations. After decades of alcoholism, she was able to find sobriety using practices that she learned along the way and to reach a healthy and wholesome life and has made it her mission to guide others using this wisdom she gained on her own recovery journey. Please feel free to check her out on YouTube under Supernatural Recovery and on Instagram and on her site, supernaturalrecovery.org. As always, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. And above all, keep spreading that love. Welcome to the DMT World Podcast. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day and being here with with me and the people listening. Really happy to have you on. Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Now, I know um, I came across uh, you in in one of the meetings for uh, a Discord server, um, the Psychonaut Recovery. Um, Now, I I know you have... um, you have a, a website that has a program and all of that. I'd like to get to that for sure. Um, but I, I, I really wanted to see if we can just get a little bit of a, a backstory of yourself uh, before getting there, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, for sure. I want to talk about that, but I think it's important to, you know, have a backstory first. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, um, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm recovering really from a lot of things, but primarily um, alcoholism was kind of the thing that was really taking me down. So um, I'm in recovery and uh, really coming from a place of what I would call kind of deep trauma. Um, A lot of people have their experiences in their life and and it's different for everyone and the way that it affects them is different. Um, But, you know, now that I have some clarity about my story, I do feel like I've um, probably been through a little more than the average person and um, had to kind of overcome uh, some things to really get me where I am. Um, you don't really like go down into a path of like really deep addiction. Usually like if, you know, unless you have something that you're trying to run from. And that was definitely my case. Um, I spent, uh, the better part of 20 years drinking really, really heavily on, um, and using really a lot of different drugs recreationally just to kind of, uh, take myself out of my body and out of my, my experience. And, um, when it was, you know, when I was finally able to get sober, um, I just, I found that the medical community and the traditional 12 steps were not, they just didn't really feel applicable to me. And I don't know if that's because of the things that I experienced or just because I 
sort of have a, a complex about being uh, individualistic. <laughs> but for whatever reason, um, you know, those things just really didn't speak to me. And so I kind of forged my my own path. And um, that that's really like what the, you know, what the website and what the recovery program is about is just trying to um, share with other people, like, how I was able to heal myself and how I think that some of those mindfulness practices and mind body practices can, can be healing. Um, but if, if, you know, uh, I, I had a little bit of a, a traumatic childhood kind of right out the gate. I mean, I, I was raised in, in a pretty dysfunctional family, but, um, things I, they say that like shamans are, uh, struck by lightning. And if you survive being struck by lightning, then that's, uh, how you know that you're a shaman. And, uh, when I was 16, I would say that I was, I was struck by lightning. Cause that's really when things got really, really like deep and intense for me. Um, is it okay to kind of like to dive into that now? Yeah, totally fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's kind of like right out the gate. I just, um, <clears throat> no, I mean, it, it's, it's a hundred percent your, um, you're, you're in the driver's seat right now. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, when I was 16 and I, I kind of had, uh, two experiences that really led me down a path of a lot of mental unrest and a lot of, um, um, what I guess in Western, like in more Western philosophies would be called mental illness, but I have my own, my own thoughts about that, which we can also get into. But, um, I, I, I was, I experienced a, a pretty violent sexual assault by two men while I was on LSD when I was 16. Jesus. Um, and during that experience, you know, I mean, my mind just completely fragmented, um, which is a, you know, a really common reaction to something that's like, when you're, when it's too much for you to bear, uh -huh. um, you know, your, your brain figures out a way to disconnect from your body so that you don't have to be present for it. I mean, the, our brains have these wonderful protective mechanisms so that like, we don't have to actually experience the thing that we're experiencing. Um, but it leads to some like fragmentation, which down the road, you know, will kind of present itself as, um, dissociative identity or multiple personalities, um, in, in some people. And I do feel like I kind of, you know, experienced some of that to some degree. Um, uh, shortly after that experience, I, uh, was targeted. One of these men actually was, was targeted by him. Um, he was a good bit older than me, uh, four or five years older than me. And, um, he is a psychopath and, um, I was sort of lured into a relationship with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I was very young. We were together for, um, I would say almost three years. Um, and, you know, during this time I, you know, experienced a lot of, um, I, I guess, psychological torment. Um, I mean, it was, it was just really daily torture. There was also like a lot of sexual assault, a lot of coercion. Um, so it was, you know, and I didn't have the language to explain to people around me what was happening to me. Um, because I, again, I was like, uh, fragmenting, right. Like I wasn't really, you know, always present for some of these things that were happening. Um, and didn't even really remember a lot of it until pretty recently. Um, so in the process of being in this relationship, obviously, so I was, you know, 16, 17, like still pretty young at the time. Um, and he was older than me. He was old enough to buy alcohol. And um, that was when I started drinking. Um, I started drinking to sort of 
Um, I mean, it was really like a conscious effort to disconnect myself from my current situation, right? Because I was very young, um, really for like, for lack of a better word, I was, I was living in captivity um, and experiencing, you know, uh, daily sexual assault, uh, just a lot of just psychological torment. What I now have the language, you know, to describe is um, was called ritual abuse. Um, and this, you know, it, it lasted for about three years until I was able to, um, I was, I got away from him when I went to college, um, went to college in another state. And shortly after that is, is kind of when I started having um, symptoms, we'll say. Um, symptoms of what I now know is post-traumatic stress. Um, but you know, I was really young, nobody really knew what was happening to me and I didn't have the language to explain what had happened to me. Um, I was able to tell people that I had an abusive boyfriend, um, because that's what I thought the experience was, but, you know, without really knowing or even remembering that it had gone a lot, a lot deeper than that. Um, I did, I spent some time in, uh, I voluntarily, I checked myself into a mental hospital, um, which, you know, was not an overall pleasant experience. It's really interesting to see how people who are struggling emotionally and struggling with, um, with trauma are treated by the medical community at large, um, which is, you know, it's really unfortunate. Um, and I was able, I was given, you know, a few tools. I, that's where I learned about EMDR, which is a fairly like pop. It's been kind of a popularized way to deal with trauma. That's um, the uh, eye movement treatment, right? The eye, rapid eye movement treatment. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and it's, it's become, you know, popularized. Um, I, I believe that there are a lot of other um, modalities that you can use to kind of help yourself heal from trauma, but a lot of people, you know, uh, swear by it. Um, and I do think that it, it got me to a place where I could at least function again. Um, I, I was back out of the world and I was able to hold a job and, you know, generally function. I was, of course, like using alcohol and, and drugs like incredibly heavily, but I was still able to like function according to the outside world. So, you know, uh, the, uh, over the next like 20 years or so, um, I just I kept drinking and drinking and drinking and as what happens when, you know, you're drinking heavily, you kind of attract, you know, more negative experiences into your life. And so you kind of, that's, that's really where the spiral of addiction comes from. Um, you're running from something, you, you put something in your body to cover up from it, something else bad happens, and then you, you start running from that and so forth and so forth. Um, until, you know, one day, like you're able to stop the cycle. Um, you know, so hang on. I, I lost my train of thought for just a second. No problem. We're talking about the <clears throat> EMDR and how about how you came back. Uh, you were able to come back and hold a job, but you were still heavily using. You're basically functioning um, addict. And you were saying that's kind of where addiction comes from. As yeah. Kind yeah. Of chasing. yeah. Um, so, you know, most people I, I were at least from talking to other people who have been able to get sober and talking to people like from a 12 step program or whatever. Um, they're like, oh, the, you know, you, you have to have this like rock bottom moment. Like you have to have something that like happens in your life. It's like, for some people, it's like a DUI, you know, for some people it's like a divorce. I mean, there's uh, a lot of different things that it could be. Um, my experience really was, was not so much that I had like one final moment that like finally pushed me out. I mean, like I had a lot of fucked up stuff happen as a result of my drinking. 
Um, and none of it was enough to really get me to quit. Um, for me, like rock bottom was more like a state of mind. It was like a, a state of living, like a state of consciousness where I stayed for a couple of years. Um, and I think, you know, depending on your level of addiction, that, that could be true for a lot of people. Um, I mean, this is you know, towards the end of my drinking career. Like I was drinking vodka at seven o'clock in the morning to like, to stop myself from shaking. Um, and even then I didn't know that it was because these terrible things happened to me when I was basically still a child. You know, when you're a teenager, like you think like you're an adult, <laughs> but you're really yeah. still a child. <laughs> yep. True. <laughs> um, and so, um, uh, so a piece of getting sober or like the biggest piece of getting sober has been, you know, you kick this, the addictive substance out of your life, you get through the physical withdrawals and then you have these emotional withdrawals and then slowly, but surely like the memories of what have happened begin to kind of reintegrate themselves into your consciousness. Yep. And um, so that was definitely like a really, a really challenging piece. And I think that that's why a lot of like, why it's known as recovery, right? Um, so in like Western philosophy and like Western medicine, we'll more likely call it, um, like an integration or, um, someone with uh, dissociative identity will maybe call these fusions or like a final fusion in between your, you know, your split identities. Um, in, in shamanic culture, this is actually, it's called a soul retrieval. Um, the idea being that when you experience something traumatic, a piece of your soul actually splinters off of your body. And um, to heal yourself, you have to go into a different state of consciousness or into a different dimension to retrieve that part of yourself um, so that you can be whole again. Um, and I feel like that is definitely something that I have experienced. You know, a piece of that is through plant medicines and a piece of that is through mind-body practices and meditation. Also through just being really, really fucking lucky to have found an amazing therapist. Um, you know, was able to kind of recover all of these pieces and get me to where I am. Um, over the course of my recovery, you know, I, I found myself increasingly frustrated. There's um, a lot of the 12 step mentalities that I, I really don't agree with. They don't, um, they don't resonate with me personally and just with my spiritual beliefs and the way that I interact with the world and the way that I view myself and my place in it. Um, which I can, you know, I can get a little more into down the road as we talk more. But um, I remember asking my mentor, like, are there, um, are there any recovery um, programs out there for people who are high, highly sensitive or empathic people or people who are really spiritually minded or, you know, want to maybe do a more mind body approach. Um, and although I think those are tools that a lot of people in recovery use, there's not a lot of resources that, you know, kind of, uh, lay it out and say, you know, this mind body practice can be, can be really healing in the recovery process. Um, and so I, I just decided to kind of build one. <laughs> um, and that's really how, uh, how that was born. And, um, that's like where my, my online classes and all that stuff that, you know, we'll get to was kind of born from this place of filling what I really saw in the recovery community as a, as a void. Yeah, you know, I, I I keep um you know I keep hearing people talk about the the AA meetings, NA meetings, like all these existing uh, organizations, and and they definitely 
I mean, even myself, I, I've gone through, I've gone through a few of the programs when I was younger and not too long ago, either in my adult life. And, um, <clears throat> There's definitely, I feel for me, you know, they're, they're updated, outdated. Um, but I do know that they help some people, you know, a lot of people. Um, but I think that's something that we're coming across a lot more is, um, you know, it just doesn't fit for, for everybody. And you're starting to see a lot of these um, <clears throat> different recovery groups or organizations that are popping up and, and they have, um, and it's, it's not only the, the substance aspect of it, right? Like, um, the psychedelic recovery one is one of them or even other ones like it that, you know, they welcome the psychedelic aspect um, of the in- use of entheogens or plant medicines in, in your regimen to help you heal. But um, I mean, even spiritual stuff, um, you know, and, and even like the stuff that you have on, on your site there, um, it just, it, it just makes sense. You know, not everybody is, it, it's not going to work for everybody. I mean, including all these other the groups that are popping up as well. Me personally, um, you know, I, I found a lot of healing with uh, use of plant medicines, and that's kind of why I, I tend to lean towards that. But um, it's just one part of the of the um, of the whole healing process for me. There is definitely other aspects of it that um, come to mind. You know, you're talking about how one for me, once everything kind of died down, and I stopped turning to um, my poison, uh, you know, to kind of run away from my issues, you know, a lot of old memories started coming back in and they came in through nightmares. They came in through similar, similar to a flashback, but just memories just popping up out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, that, that was a big thing that, that for me, you know, and I needed to, you know, talk about these things. And, um, I think that's why these, these programs, um, such as yours and these other organizations that are popping up are, are great to have out there for people. It's um, definitely, um, definitely worthwhile. Yeah. You know, and it's not anything really that says like that denounces the 12 steps or says like, it's, it's my, like, can't use all of these different tools. Um, I think that you can really use um, a combination of things. And I do. And I think of course there are a lot of wonderful things um, about the 12 steps and I know they've helped a lot of people, which is why like, I'm, I'm a little reticent to just completely throw them under the bus. Um, I think, you know, aspects of the shadow work that they help people do, you know, making amends with people. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are really positive, mm-hmm. things, positive things. Absolutely. And then, you know, ultimately the goal of like helping other people. Yes. Um, for me, I, I think it, it was, it's a little hard for me to just kind of even get off the ground with them. Um, because of the, you know, I'm domestic, being a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence and ritual abuse and, you know, and growing up in in a toxic family. And so being a survivor of, of all of that, um, I think just even attaching to the language of powerlessness, uh, put me in a mindset that was actually triggering me (laughs) rather Mm -hmm. than, um, putting me in a place where I could, you know, surrender and and move forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I don't think that I'm alone in that one. I think that that's fairly common for other uh, women who have survived, you know, some, some of the similar things that I have. Um, so that's a piece of it for sure. Um, but you know, I also, I, I, I come from a place where I don't, um, I don't believe that I have character defects that need to be removed. You know, I think that, I developed some maladaptive coping mechanisms because some really scary and bad shit happened to me. And I turned to a substance, which is incredibly addictive 
And so I got addicted to it. Um, and I experienced addiction rather than thinking that like I have um, a disease and something is like wrong with my brain. Yeah. See, that was the one thing that, yeah, like with me, that was a, one of the biggest things was because, you know, I kept telling people, I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, man. I think I just, I have something fuck, something that dramatic that happened or so I went through something that this is the reason why I, I use and why I drink or why I, I do what I do that, you know, doesn't benefit me, but only kind of pushes it back. You know, I'm only kind of, I'm only trying to recreate, you know, that, that action that your mind does when something traumatic is happening. And for me, it was just kind of pushing it, you know, into the, to some different part of my, my mind. And sometimes it almost even felt like an out, out of body experience where I was just watching myself go through this or you know absolutely staring at myself doing these things like what the fuck and, and not having any kind of um emotional attachment to it you know absolutely yeah i mean uh, that's definitely it i mean um i i was i think consciously using alcohol to um just not be in the same body as the person who all this happened mm -hmm. to you know, and, um, and reconciling with that is a really, really challenging thing. And there's a lot of grief involved in it. Um, it it's, and there's a lot of bravery there too, you know, it, it's yeah. really challenging to face those things. Um, which is why the, you know, addiction is, is an epidemic. I mean, a lot of people are experiencing the cycle of being addicted to something, you know, and, um, a Gabor Mate's book, like he talks about how, you know, all addictions are the same, like yeah. shopping or, or heroin or whatever, like mm -hmm. it's the act of trying to run from yourself, um, rather than, you know, be present with yourself. So, yeah, that's a big thing. Uh, that, that is a huge thing. And that's something that, um, you know, I, <laughs> I know a guy who was a police officer for over three decades and he, I mean, he looked down on all substance abusers, people that use um, cannabis, everything drank. He was kind of like a straight laced dude. And towards, towards the end of his career, he uh, had an accident and which he ended up retiring because of this accident. And the doctors just started filling him up with these opiates. I mean, he was, I remember seeing him, one day and i mean he was slobbering he was literally like sitting there drooling in his lap and i'm like this guy is strung out like he is strung out and just he has this um this this picture in his mind you know that all these substances are bad but this is this is okay and and that was the one thing that kind of kind of struck me with with some of these um some of these uh some of these organizations just because a lot of this stuff, it stems from other things, you know, and we're just kind of looking at the the symptom, which is the drinking or the taking the, the substance as that's the problem. And I'm sure that for, for, for a lot of people, that's what it is. Uh, but for me, I, I just, I never felt that, you know, I never felt like, you know, I was, I was an addict. I just felt like I was abusing these substances because, you know, of a different reason. And, and you never, I never really got to that in any of those programs, you know? Yeah, sure. Well, there is, you know, there is, of course, the stigma around addiction. I think there are people like that who will who will look down on people who are using or addicted. Um, but I really have have come to a point where I recognize my I mean, I have a, a gratitude for my addiction and I have a gratitude for for experiencing that because, you know, it kept me safe and oh, yeah. alive, honestly, mm -hmm. like it made my life bearable um, because without it, without that shield, um, you know, 
my mind wouldn't have been able to like to bear the gravity of the things that I had had actually been through. Yeah, it's rough. It's it's really rough, right? I mean, even for me, you know, I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm 36 years old now and I'm just starting to get to things like from my childhood. And even right now from with all the stuff that I've been through up until this point, even um even now I'm like, God, this is hard. This is rough. Like just to go back in there and not necessarily undo things, but just kind of let them be what they are and, and you know, try to f- find, you know, where that comes from. And it always goes back to childhood for me, which is, <laughs> it's like a recurring thing. And it's like, it, it's something that in my childhood set me up for something in my young adulthood, you know? So when I went through something traumatic <clears throat> in my young adulthood, my mind just went back and found that file and was like, we're going to run this program for you. You're going to be cool. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's, it's like, it's an onion. You just had to keep kind of peeling this onion. It's like, you know, um, as a 16 year old, why was I in a household where I didn't tell someone that what was happening to me, <laughs> you know? And that's, so that, that's a question and it, it makes you go back. Okay. Well, so this is this, the thing that happened that was really rough, but you know, what was your family like? Why couldn't they protect you? So what was going on in your family life that, that kept them from protecting you? And how did you end up in a place where abuse felt really normalized enough for you to be able to tolerate like that level yeah. of, um, you know, psychological control and, and all of those things. So, yeah. And, and I, I like what you said too, about like, we're just going to run this program for you. I mean, someone <laughs> just feels like it, it's automatic. Like, yeah. Oh, I learned how to disassociate at a really early age, some mm-hmm. shit that's going down right now that I just can't be here for. So if my brain won't disassociate for me, I'll just, you know, have some, some vodka soda and it'll, it'll flip on a switch for me and I don't have to be here anymore. You know, something about that, that I, I found is that it's not always necessary. Well, for me, it was mostly, um, it was mostly detrimental for me. Um, but I do recognize that there are times when, when that, that can help me. Um, especially when you're in like, a in danger, you know, um, instead of, um, panicking about something, you know, you're just focusing on the goal, which is to survive. And at that moment in time, it makes sense. And now a lot of people don't really go through that on a daily basis, but you know, once you've been in some situations like that, you kind of, you kind of understand why it's there, you know? Absolutely. Well, yeah. And then, you know, once you survive, um, it's like, you know, some of the things that, that you've experienced and then also something like, like I experienced, especially where it's something where it's prolonged, you know, um, rather than something that's like a one-time event yeah. that's really shocking and, and, and horrifying, something that's prolonged, then, you know, your body gets used to being in this state of fear and terror and high alert. And um, so you don't know how to switch that off. And so you get really afraid and very, you know, what could, should be calm and safe situations. And then you also just feel totally normal when things are completely chaotic. When shit hits the fan. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is another reason I think like I really kind of thrived in addiction for a while because my life was very chaotic and that's what felt normal to me. Cause um, at a very early age, I had to adapt to, to being in chaos and adapt to being hypervigilant and, um, you know, afraid literally for my life um, and, and being in close proximity with uh, such a terrifying man. It's unfortunate that, that you know, especially in, in the, these communities, uh, well, at least the communities that I'm part of, you know, a lot of people come from the, that same background, you know, a lot of um, 
a lot of trauma in their life and a lot of substance abuse and a lot of running around and don't know what to do until, you know, you either start working programs or you go into therapy or whatever. And then, um, you know, a lot of people end up in, in this, um, like in the psychedelic community, you know, uh, using plant medicines, that's a, it's a huge thing in the last uh, 10 years besides, you know, in the sixties and the seventies and so forth. But um, yeah, I mean, you hear it all too often, you know, all too often. It's, it's like the, um, I'm not, not the same story, but it's, I mean, everybody I've met has had some kind of issue like that, that had led them to the substance abuse that got them to that point in their life where they're like, okay, this is not good for me. I, I'm going to, if I keep going this way, I'm going to either end up dead or in jail or, you know, institutionalized. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and really, I mean, addiction is its own prison. It's its own institution. <laughs> you know, like even if like you're not physically put into one of those places, I mean, mentally, like, um, it's a state of consciousness that is, is very much just like being in a prison and experiencing the same thing where every day you wake up and you say, today's the day I'm going to change. And then, you know, the smallest thing happens. Someone looks at you sideways in traffic and your <laughs> nervous system goes berserk because yeah. you think that you're in danger. <laughs> and so you're like, Nope, I can't, I can't do it. I got to go for, I got to go for the drink, you know? Yeah. That's true. It's um, almost like you look for it. What, what was your, um, what was that moment for you when you just realized or when you decided um, to to stop that kind of life? Yeah, you know, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot really since, you know, and I had a phone conversation um, a little while ago and, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And um, it's it's a it's kind of an interesting story, but it's also kind of a, like a lackluster story. It's like, yeah. um, you know, the last night that I drank, I was uh, I was a mess. I like, I was horribly depressed. I was kind of going through this like breakup that was like, you know, triggering me on all these different levels. Um, and this is of course still before I was like very self-aware about my trauma mm -hmm. and, um, I'm like just Bob popping pills and taking Xanax and smoking weed and like drinking and just trying to be as out of my body as I possibly fucking could. And I had some MDMA on hand that somebody had randomly given me. It's not even something that I, uh, have taken with any kind of regularity. And I was like, yeah, just fuck this. I'm going to take everything that I got, you know? Oh, shit. And I, and I ended up, I ended up writing a letter just to, I guess, to whom it may concern. Like if I die tonight and I don't wake up in the morning, I want you to know, like, there's nothing you guys could have done to have saved me. The Jeez. darkness was just too big. It just, it took me. And I woke up the next day <laughs> And I was, I guess, I guess I wasn't really expecting to. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, this, like, oh, I, I have to stop this. I'm, I'm going to die. Because I had plenty of blood brushes with death and plenty of brushes with suicide while I was using. So that was not really a unique experience. But um, I, I don't know if maybe while I was sleeping, the MDMA just sort of like crawled into my brain and, and gently pushed me into the direction of healing. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know that it's a coincidence that that is something that I put into my system. You know, I, I didn't even, I wasn't awake for the trip. I mean, I didn't go through this big revelation of like, I've got to change my life and I'm capable of so much more. Cause I didn't really believe I was capable of more at the time. Um, but I just, but I woke up and I just knew that it was over. And with this just deep knowing that like it was over and 
it was uh, really a feeling of relief, you know, I mean, because being an active addiction is fucking traumatic. Mm. Um, even just the, those experiences of and like knowing that you're being a bad friend and you're not being a responsible adult and like, you're not living up to your potential and you're hurting people who care about, you, you know, I mean, all yeah. these things like that's, those are all a bunch of little traumas, you know? Um, and then all those brushes with death and everything too. And so like, just this like kind of vast sense of like relief. Um, and then, you know, day by day, it just ended up proving to be true it, that it was like, Oh, I guess this is really it. You know, this isn't another false alarm or another like, um, fake claim that like, Oh, today's the day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just, that was just it for me. Um, and it was just, uh, some kind of grace that just kind of found me in my sleep. And I guess I said the darkness was going to take me, but it didn't. <laughs> Now, you know, I, I mean, I, I could see how that would be. I mean, if you take MDMA, it's going to do what it does, you know, whether you're right. conscious of it or not. I mean, um, I have experienced MDMA um, a few times and it's, uh, you know, it, I can see where people can benefit from it um, tremendously. Um, but for uh, for me, I think um, I think what would be best for me would be like in a in a clinical setting. But I mean, it it still has its um you know it still does the work. It still it still really helps out for sure. Uh, yeah, we, I've had uh, two additional experiences since then in my recovery that were nice. a little more um I'll say intentional. You know, not just yeah. like ah, oh, just want to you know just take every like take everything in the house and like get out of my body. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> we're a little more of like, um, coming from a more sane approach. Uh, and, and I had some healing experiences around those too. Did you have like, um, <clears throat> like a, a sitter there with you or anything like that? Like how, how was the, the setting for that? For yeah. Those? So uh, I want to talk about them separately. There were two very, um, very different experiences. One of them was actually really recent. Um, the first one was over the summer and I was with one of my closest friends um, and we took it together and just kind of like out of the blue, I was like, all right, I'm going to tell you what happened to me. <laughs> here's, here's the thing that happens to you um, physiologically when you experience really deep trauma, the part of your brain that's responsible for language and for speech shuts down and it gets, um, uh, it, it just, that, that brain there's like no brain activity there um it actually like from what i've read it looks like it resembles that of like a stroke victim hmm. um and so you know years and years have gone by I'm, I'm 38 years old now so this is 20 years ago that these things happened to me and um i never talked about it uh because i didn't know how i didn't have the language i didn't have the words like psychopath captivity rape, torture, like psychological torment. I didn't mm -hmm. have the language for that. And the gift that I think that this particular NBMA experience gave me was, was giving me the language mm -hmm. to be able to, to tell another person, like, this is what happened to me. Um, because the, the only other people who hadn't had known were my therapists that were like actively working through the trauma with me. And they had really, only, I had only come up with the language to talk to them maybe a week or so before uh, taking the MDMA. So just that simple act of, you know, sort of laying my soul bare to another person and saying, these are the things that happened to me. And like, this is my experience and this is my story and this is my journey. And then for them to, you know, validate and acknowledge um, 
that in and of itself is, is very healing. Um, just to have somebody kind of bear witness mm-hmm. to your, to your journey and say, you know, not even just that I'm sorry that these things happened to you, but just, I acknowledge that these things happened to you, yeah. especially when like, it's, it's even, it was a secret from myself. You know, my mind had fragmented and locked these things away from me. So I didn't even know what had happened to me for years. I was just, you know, everybody was like, I don't know. She's just crazy. We don't know what's wrong with her, you yeah. know? Cause I, cause I didn't Gosh. have the language to explain it. And so, um, so yeah, I would say, you know, um, I had a sitter like in that, in that respect. Um, and that was a really very like profoundly healing experience, um, just to find, to reactivate that part of your brain and find that language. And I, I do think that that was a gift, um, that the, that the medicine gave me. God, you know, listening to you say that it reminded me of the first time I tried, uh, MDMA and my wife was here with me <clears throat> and, um, I mean, I went kind of through the same process of just, I was able to look at all of these things that I couldn't talk about and just be open about them. And I was crying through the process of it, but I was like, I was, it was just a lot of relief, just, yeah. just letting it all go. And I was like, God, this is so good. I just want to keep, <laughs> I just want to keep doing this all night. <laughs> and that's beautiful. Yeah. God. Well, you know, another thing too, that happens kind of in your nervous system, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the, the freeze responses, which are generally known as fight or flight, yeah. um, but there's another, another free, um, trauma response called freeze, uh, which was a my trauma response where, you know, you don't say anything or do anything. Your body is literally frozen. Your mind, your, the part of your brain that makes language is frozen. Um, and so a piece of the recovery process has, has been kind of a literal unthawing of, you know, of my nervous system. And so as things unthaw, which I, you know, I think that the medicines can be helpful with this, particularly you begin to kind of unfreeze and you, um, the, the downside of that is that you have to sort of re-experience them, you know, as they're moving through you. Um, and so that's why they're not always pleasant experiences, but when you get to the other side and you're done, like, shaking and crying and vomiting, you feel like you've lost 50 pounds, you know, or you feel like, Oh, like just a, a lighter version of yourself. Cause you're not carrying all this stuff around with you anymore. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, <clears throat> I agree. I agree hundred percent. I do. God, you know, that, um, the, the thing with, um, with me when it comes to that point and I, fuck, I, I hate bringing it back to myself all the time. No, no, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> but I, I just, yeah, between you and I, yeah. uh, you know, I, I that is a, a very, um, not only sensitive, but it's a very, um, God, like you got to tread waters pretty carefully. You know, you have to be careful once you get to that point. I think for me, that was the hardest part was stopping all the, um, substance abuse, because then I, I don't have anybody I can trust, or I don't even feel like I can tell anybody these things. But for me, I found that within plant medicines, um, I, I got to the point where I, I trusted the the mushroom, you know, and that's who I go with in these journeys. And that's what's helped me to this point, you know, but I, I do know that there's, <clears throat> there's so much more to this process than just, you know, having that relationship with the plants. And I think for me, that's uh, therapy and talking to people about it and, and um, 
And it doesn't necessarily even have to be in a clinical setting. That's kind of like with these groups are a good thing. You know, these meetings that people have are, are awesome for people that are just starting in that or, you know, really becoming comfortable with being able to be open about things. I think that's where um, those are very beneficial. Well, absolutely. Yeah. When you, you mentioned trust, you know, I think um, too, when you have experienced it really any level of domestic violence, it makes it really difficult to trust. It makes it difficult to trust friends or intimate partners. It's difficult to even trust yourself. Like, am I making the right choice being with this person? Uh, you know, and I think that those medicines can uh, help you tap into a deeper level of trust and intimacy. Now, so you did, so you had the MDMA exposures. Did you have any other one like, um, what what else besides the uh, did you have any other like psychedelic experiences besides or i i had yeah i had one other um so because my sort of initial trauma did involve lsd um i, I do have a hard time uh with psychedelics um I, I haven't been able to go back down that road it's just been a little too painful a little too frightening for me um, and so I found, I feel a little bit safer with MDMA. Um, my, the last, the last one that I did though, was actually a mixture. It was a blend. It was MDMA as well as MDA. Um, and this was a very different experience for me than the, the first one where I, I found language and I was able to communicate and feel very close with another person and, and trust them with this, like these, you know, really big pieces of, of my identity. Um, this was what that was, this was by myself. And um, it was really just uh, just a few weeks ago, but I was just given this visceral sense memory of the trauma that I was experiencing um, while I was on LSD and experiencing being raped. Um, I didn't have a lot of visual flashbacks, but it was just this sense memory. It's really the only way that I can describe it. It was in my body. It was like my body was re-experiencing it. I uh, was feeling a, a, a large sense of overwhelm and fear. Um, and after a few hours, I started purging really heavily. I mean, I was, I was very sick physically. Um, and I spent a few days really feeling physically and, and emotionally just awful. However, I also really, for the first time in 20 years, felt whole. And this is where I feel like the soul retrieval comes in because, you know, it was really like I, I went back in time, you know, through another dimension, through another state of consciousness to sort of visit this younger part of myself. Um, and as my nervous system began to unfreeze from that experience and I re-experienced it a little bit, um, as much as it was making me cry and shake and you know, purge and vomit. It was, it was this, you know, coming home to myself um, and having these sense memories. I mean, yeah, like, of course it's going to make you feel emotional. <laughs> um, it's, it's not pleasant. It was a terrifying experience. And I was a very small child, really not a, well, not a very small child, but a child nonetheless. Um, and so, you know, the experience itself was unpleasant, but what came to me on the other side of it or what came to me through, you know, going through that um, really ended up being something very beautiful and peaceful. That's a bit, 
Jeez. The, so that was with MDMA and the MDA. Yes. Yeah. It was a blend and a trusted friend uh, had given that to me and I intentionally took it, you know, by myself. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I, we get so naive. We think that we know what <laughs> to do to us, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, sit by my altar and listen to Trevor Hall and, <laughs> and, and, and commune with my spirit guides. And that did not happen. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've been there a few times. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, this is not what I, I expected. I had um, uh, an intention. I had yeah. an intention mm-hmm. beforehand. And my intention was that I could let go of the past and let go of the, you know, the person that I've been holding on to um, this story of all these traumas so that I can become the person that, that I'm meant to be. And it was not given to me in a, in a gentle way at all, but I got what I asked for. Yeah. You know, often, oftentimes that's kind of what, what, what I see, you know, is it, it sucks. It really <laughs> sucks. And it hurts, you know, yeah. to, to go back to these things sometimes, especially when you're, you know, using these compounds or uh, substances and, um, <clears throat> but God, when it's done, when it's over with, it's just, uh, I, there's, there's something else to the, to it. You know, there's, it, for me, it really starts making me wonder, like, what is this that I'm, that I'm doing? Like, this is, um, like, I'm changing myself. I'm changing something about myself through the use of these, uh, um, compounds. And, um, I, for me, I just kind of start to think about the, traditions around these two and not even just like uh you know with plants necessary but just um even like in a clinical setting anything anything there's a lot more people have been doing this for a very long time right um and i just stumbled across this a few years ago and i'm you know (laughs) thinking i'm fucking figuring everything out but there's so much research that's been done there's so much things that people have done since the beginning of time uh, that's out there. And those kind of things really um, start to bring up <clears throat> like spirituality, you know, mm-hmm. what is God? What is uh, these things that, you know, this, um, what is the all, what is the source? What is what people call heaven? Like there's something there, you know, and it kind of taps into that side of it. I, I could Absolutely. definitely see that. I mean, I've been there a few times myself. Absolutely. Well, you know, it also, it, it really, um, it really brings home, especially like with, with, with um, psilocybin, I think it really brings the interconnectedness and the, the collective consciousness to the forefront. Yeah. We really do begin to experience um, that we're all kind of experiencing the same, like we're all in this together, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and another gift that I think that these medicines give is, is the gift of compassion. And when you are a survivor of, um, any, any kind of abuse, it helps you look at, look at your, um, abusers or perpetrators through a different lens that, you know, they were treating you in these ways because that's how they had been treated or that, you know, they're, they're victims of circumstance as well. And when you can see it like that, it, it helps to soften anger and rage and resentment, you know, and just move you into a place of acceptance where you recognize, you know, um, the people who hurt you are also deeply, deeply hurting. and it, it moves you to a place where you can begin to let go. Yeah. You know, I, I have experienced that. And, and even prior to letting go, um, I kind of turned it out to everything and everyone, 
just to the nature of human beings, you know, just to the fucked up shit that people do to each other. Yeah. That's just always, uh, I, I, for me, it's always been there. I always see it. It's, I feel like it's always going to be there, you know, but um, you can only do that for so long, you know? Right. <laughs> and eventually, yeah. you know, you just, there, there's no revenge in this game. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yes. There's, I love that. <laughs> yeah, like there's no putting it on anybody else either. It's just like, fuck, I got to deal with this myself. Like I used to be able to hate that motherfucker. Now I can't hate him, you know, because I understand that God, maybe he got fucked up too. You know, maybe right. something, something that person had gone through made him that way. And it's a, um, it's another level for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not a necessary part of healing there. You know, I don't think you have to forgive necessarily. I think it's helpful though, because it's, it's a lot to carry around, you know, and if you can let go of some of it, then it's just easier to function. You know, when you like, you can't hold, I, I got to a place in my healing where I just like, couldn't hold on to all of the pain that I was yeah. experiencing and I had no choice, but to let it go. And, um, it, you know, I think like we already touched on it, not being a pleasant process, yeah. you know, cause as it moves through your body, it just, it feels like absolute hell, but then you come out on the other side of it and you just like, you shed this weight of, of anger and, and resentment. And that's, um, a, um, not, it's not like a necessary faction of healing, but it's a damn helpful one. And it's one, it's one for me that is rewarded, you know, by yeah. these experiences and by you having that, you know, the, <clears throat> the bravery, whatever you want to call it, to go back and revisit these things in your mind and, and make sense of them or, or accept them or whatever it is that you have to do, you know, after that, I mean, that for me, that's, that's what it is. You know, I, I have to earn that. And it's so easy to fall back into the same old shit. Yeah. So that tells me that it's easy to do the to do the shit that's not going to help me, right? To be lazy, to just fucking go back and just start using again. It's harder to, to grow, you know? And to me, it's just, I look at it for myself as just earning it. You know, I'm earning that person who I want to be or that state of mind that I want to have. Oh, I'm, I'm going to write that down. I love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's what it feels like, right? You're just like, oh, God, this sucks so bad. I mean, there's a lot of even just doing the right thing sometimes. Like I see my kids and they walk by this sock on the floor and I'm like, these motherfuckers just keep walking past. <laughs> and then and then I'm like, and then I'm over here fucking screaming at him. And then I kind of I have to explain to them, like, look, you're just walking right by. It's right there, man. Like <clears throat> it it's so easy to just leave it on the floor, but then look at what happens, you know, and it's not even worth that time, but I can, you know, I apply the same thing to myself, you know, I, so I, I pick up socks every now and then. I think we're all just picking up socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, let me ask you. So besides the, the use of these compounds or substances, um, what else have you learned since getting to that point and deciding to optimize yourself or become a better version of yourself or recovery, whatever it is you want to label it? Um, was What else besides that did you find along the road that helped you out as well? Yeah, um, you know, I would, I would say that the two biggest pieces really for me have been a meditation practice and a yoga practice. Um, 
Well, I, I can't, you know, it's, it's not fair really for me to categorize and say, these are the two things. Cause there's so many things. Um, and meditation and yoga, I know have helped a lot of people in recovery and helped people, you know, recover from having intrusive thoughts or like obsessive compulsive tendencies. Um, you know, any kind of mindfulness I think is, is generally helpful. Um, my background, you know, really before I started doing this recovery work, I'm, I'm a massage therapist, I'm a body worker and an energy healer. So I'm part of uh, like the natural healing community uh, in Austin. So I know so many practitioners and, and that's something also that I feel really lucky to be a part of because I was able to go to these people and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in recovery and I like some help stabilizing my nervous system. And so being able to get body work or craniosacral therapy or I mean, just a slew of there's, there are so many freaking therapies out there that are available, right. That are, you know, for your mind or for your body. Um, and of course, some of it is, is maybe bullshit. Some of it's like snake oil sales. And then you, I mean, you can't believe in all of it, but, um, I certainly believe that body work can be helpful. Um, and I, and I, and, I, and yoga is of course a form of, of body work. Um, so it's really just like these, these mind body practices that really kind of, you know, came into my life. Um, being able to get various types of body work and work with these practitioners was, was really helpful. And that's one of the things that I outline a little bit, um, in some of the supernatural recovery stuff. Um, but once I started my yoga practice, I think that's really when I turned a corner. Um, that's really when I kind of started to level up. I got out of this place of just white knuckling it day to day, like knowing I'm not going to drink crying all the fucking time. And then being able to be like, Oh, like I actually feel kind of okay today you know, and, and building up that practice ended up, um, being incredibly beneficial for me. There's definitely something to it that the, the physical aspect of things too. Right. I mean, I, I 100% believe yoga is, I can see how it would definitely, definitely help out a lot of people. And I see how it does. Um, <clears throat> when I was in, in a, um, God, what was it like a veterans uh, group home? Once I, when I got out, I was, a. I ended up in this veterans group home and there was this guy who would run yoga classes and I was just fucking just talk shit to this guy. Like, I'm not going to do no fucking yoga, man. What the fuck, right? <laughs> and he's this older guy, he's an old Vietnam vet, you know, and uh, <laughs> he would just keep doing it every, every day, every day. And then uh, I finally, I tried it out, man. And I was like, geez, this is a, uh, yeah, I can see, you know, I, what I always used to do and I still do now <clears throat> is, um, working out just letting that that um that days pent up emotion you know because we don't always have nice days right there's days that are just full of stress and i feel like you just you have to have that physical outlet to it too and you, you don't necessarily have, i mean it could be anything as long as you're getting up and you're doing something and for me that that helps out a lot it really does Absolutely. And so, you know, I mean, and yoga is a piece of it. It was really beneficial for me, but I think it's, it's any type of physical exercise. And, and the reason for this is because you can't always think your way out of a problem. You can't think your way out of stress. I mean, we try to, like, we, we think that we can just come up with solutions and like try to intellectualize it. But if you're, you know, if you're just going for a run, then your body is just moving shit and you don't have to think about it. It just completely makes it so that you don't have to intellectualize it. Um, and that's one of the reasons that it's really helpful. And it also just like, it, it moves stuck energy patterns. It actually moves like stress and trauma, which are stuck in your body through your body so that it can be released. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, any type of exercise is, is going to do that. Um, and for me, I think yoga too, just like 
has helped me slow down a little bit because in addition to being addicted to alcohol, I you know also spent a lot of my life just like running from one activity and being stressed and you know just always being spread thin and it's like single mom and my job and you know just trying to struggle and, and like keep all these plates or balls in the air, you know. Um and then just being able to be like, whoa, you don't have to do everything, like just do this right now. That's it. Yeah. You know, I, or, or some shit can just wait. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's what I, I do that a lot. You know, I try to keep myself as busy as possible. I do all kinds of things and I do sometimes find myself spread thin, you know, but yeah. um, I, I, I have what's very important to me in my life that always comes first. And if anything, you know, if there's any conflict to me, I'm like, yeah, sorry. You know, that's just what it oh, is. Oh, absolutely. Well, and you know, there's nothing wrong with being spread thin. I think it happens to everybody. I, I was experiencing it at a, a, to- a daily toxic level. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, a lot of guys, like I've seen a lot of people, um, especially like soldiers that come back from the war or from uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, or wherever, wherever they're, they've been deployed to. That's one of the things you see them do a lot is they just consistently um, working double yeah. shifts, going to work, going to school and, you know, just trying to keep themselves busy and try to keep their mind off of, you know, <clears throat> the, 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 the main issues, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So with the uh, yoga and um, what was the other thing? I'm sorry. I can't. Um, yeah, I just, I had said that, um, just having a meditation practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Meditation. You know, that's something I haven't really gotten into so much, but I, I kind of, I keep talking to a lot of people about it. I, I read stuff about it and I don't know. I kind of feel like, I feel like for me, meditation is definitely this, um, for me, it's like an exercise with my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to get to this part in my mind that just kind of, I don't know, sometimes I disappear, you know, sometimes I go away and I'm, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm just kind of in my head somewhere. Other times I'm able to kind of see the day or the last days or these issues that are in the back of my mind and be able to, 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 it it, it comes out in many different ways, but it's the state of mind, you know, that you get to. And I don't know, I, I, I look at, I look at parts of my, my, my day and I, and, you know, I do that, you know, I do that throughout the day, but, you know, to have a set schedule with that, or um, time with that set mindset and that intention. um, I don't really do that too often besides when I'm going to be, you know, eating some mushrooms or something like that. Sure. Sure. But you know, even that, I mean, even going into these parts of your mind like that is, uh, it's a whole different state of consciousness. You know, it really is. I kind of, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I use that same muscle there too, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that there's, there's kind of this misconception when it comes to meditation and there's this like expectation, like, Oh, people who meditate, like, you know, you do it like to get to a place of like quiet and solitude. And that, that's not really always the case. I think especially for somebody like, yeah, I have an overactive mind. I'm still healing from all the fucking trauma that I went through, you know? And so it's really just about being okay with what arises. And that ends up carrying over into your day-to-day life, right? 
So when you have, you see this fucking socks on the floor, <laughs> like, you know, you don't like yeah. lose your shit on your kid. Which I, and I say this like with so much like empathy because I, I am, I live that, yeah. you know, but then just being able to be like, okay. Um, because you, because when you're having quiet time in your mind, you know, maybe you'll have a flashback or a memory or something. You're like, Oh God, I, I did wish I hadn't thought that, you know, but just being able to kind of separate yourself from your thoughts and have an awareness of them and be like, Oh, I just had like this, you know, really fucked up thought that made me feel yeah. weird, you yeah. know? And then, um, and just being okay with it. And it carries over into your day-to-day life so that you can be okay with, um, with things happening, which for me has kept my nervous system from going berserk when just little things happen, you know, that used to trigger me into thinking that I was in danger. Um, now it's like, oh, like I know that I'm, I'm not in danger. And so I just have like a more normal, quote unquote, normal emotional response to the world around me. Um, whereas before when I was like really in the depths of the symptoms of PTSD, um, I definitely didn't have that. So what, so what exactly, so when you, the thing about meditation for me that I've seen is like, it's a. I kind of compared it to religion. I'm like, fuck, there's so many different ways. There's so many different people talking about it. There's so many different instructors to the point where I'm like, just give me the gist of it, bro. <laughs> and then let me, let me figure this shit out. <laughs> or, or, you know, I have, maybe I haven't came across somebody that, that has, you know, struck me or spoken to me. I, I don't know. Um, but I kind of feel the same way where I'm like, fuck with religion, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of another thing, but for you, what does meditation look like for you? Like, let's um, say you're like, um, this is, I'm going to meditate or I'm, this is what I'm going to do on this day or, or whatever. What, what does that look for you? Look it's, like for it's you? a couple of different things. So I do actually take uh, classes. I do take meditation classes and I, I really appreciate the teachers that I have. Um, and so we have talks about, you know, just like struggles in life um, and how, we can work towards allowing things to come to us, allowing things to go away from us, like what grief looks like um, and allowing, you know, allowing grief to happen. Um, And so having these like kind of conversations about our experience, you know, um, for me, it's really just about sitting quietly. Sometimes, you know, I try to have more of an awareness of my breath and more of an awareness of my thoughts, but I just sit quietly and I'll do that. I'll do that a couple of times a day for about, you know, 20 minutes at a time. Um, but it really, it looks so different for different people. Um, yeah. I also, though, I have some guided meditations and, and I have guided meditations that I have written and that I guide people through as a part of the supernatural recovery program. And those are on my YouTube page as well. So I think those can be really helpful. If the idea of just sitting in silence for 20 minutes sounds like fucking torture, which I, I get. And I know that it does feel that way for a lot of people that like a guided meditation. It's like, okay, you know, either you have a visualization or, um, it just tells you when to fucking breathe yeah. <laughs> like yep. that can be helpful. Right. Cause you know, <laughs> You're in your mind and you're like, okay, I'm just going to think about my breath. And then five minutes have gone by and you're like, oh my God, I didn't think about my breath at all. I've been thinking about laundry and I've been thinking about bullshit and how I'm mad at my friend. And like, you know, (laughs) so even just to have that reminder, like, okay, just remember, like you're trying to breathe. Um, So for me, it's, it's really quiet time and focusing on my breath. Um, And, and I do find that it spills over into other aspects of my life. But it does, I, I see that it can be intimidating for some people. Yeah, well, I mean, like, even like the breath work thing, um, I, I looked at, I, I went to a few classes and was like, oh, I can see how this definitely helps. You know, I, 
And, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, have you ever used any kind of like music or, or like drums uh, during your meditation? Oh, absolutely. So I actually kind of consider, um, so when I do use drums during meditation, I consider it something a little bit different. Um, I do that with the intention of, uh, what's called a shamanic journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, they have groups of course, you know, pre COVID that I would go to in person and Mm -hmm. they're drumming and we would get to just kind of explore in our minds and our consciousness for a little while. Um, but, you know, now in the current state of our, of our world, I'm able to just do those online. And so they, yeah, they have those uh, sort of guided as well. And they're really just drum beats. They're just like, kind of like intense drum beats. And, um, you're at least, you know, for me, my experience, I'm able to just close my eyes and just sort of go into this, um, uh, sort of trance like state of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that is very cool. And I think that that's something that would be really uh, fun and accessible with the aid of plant medicine. Um, mm-hmm. I, to be, I, I've had that. <laughs> I've had that uh, before, but it was uh, through a breath class, through a breath work class. Um, and I always, the drums just, God, they just did something to me where I just, I mean, I could feel the viper, even what, even without the, 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 the fungus, cause what it was, was a microdose, but even just completely sober, once you get to that, um, that state of mind where and you can feel the vibration from the drum and it just, oh man, it just does something to my body and just makes me so still, you know, and it really, really helps out with, uh with that aspect of it. I've, I've, that's something I took away from that whole experience where I'm like, God, that was, um, that was something definitely I, that I would love to incorporate into, you know, or, or even be, you know, part of it, you know, but obviously the whole COVID thing, right. That's a uh, God. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's putting a damper. So do you, got, do you do stuff on uh, like through zoom and stuff like that too? Uh, yes, I do. Nice. I, I do a lot of my meditation and my yoga classes through Zoom. I, I go to a studio here in Austin that I love, and they offer live classes as well as as online classes, um, which has has made it great for that to continue to be a part of my life, even though you know things have, have shifted. <clears throat> but there's still something about being in that present. Now, do you get do you use like an actual drum, or is it like something that's playing um, like through some kind of a device or something? Uh, so when it's in person, like when, um, when I would go in person, it would be like an actual live drum. And a few of the people in the the circle would have their own drums and they would kind of drum in person. Mm -hmm. Um, when, uh, at home, it's really just something that I kind of do to commune with myself Mm -hmm. and it's just a pre-recorded track and they've got a few different ones on YouTube. Um, I follow a couple of different subreddits that will also offer some really good resources there. Nice, nice, nice. <clears throat> Jeez, so the, so the um so let's talk about the um the supernatural recovery. How did this come about? Um like when did you just decide to this hey this is what I'm going to do or, or was this something you were just kind of already part of or Well, um yeah, so so uh, even before I got sober, um I was working as a body worker and I started writing a book about healing trauma through body work. I recognize that a lot of my clients were coming to me and, and I'm an empath. And so people will um, kind of feel drawn to want to talk to me about their, their personal lives. And I noticed that they were coming to me. They would tell me about, you know, these, these traumas that they had had. And I was really able to help them shift and help them feel better just like through the power of body work. And I was, I'm not a counselor. 
Um, I'm studying to be one, but I, I'm not a licensed counselor. And so, you know, of course we wouldn't do any kind of talk therapy or anything. They would just say, Hey, here's what's going on in my life. And I found that, um, you know, the body work was really beneficial for them and working with them over a period of time, I really saw a lot of improvement. And so I started researching and writing a book about how, you know, uh, the effect that body work has on trauma. Uh, I started reading a lot about the energetic chakra system and just doing a lot of, of research. So all of that was kind of happening in the background. I'd been building this resource, you know, for years. Mm -hmm. And then um, it was really, I guess, when my massage practice got shut down because of COVID. Um, they, you know, they shut down all uh, spas in Texas. And so I was like, well, like I'm not working right now, so I need to figure something else out. And I decided to take, you know, um, this book that I had written and modify it to make it online coursework. Nice. And um, that's when it kind of, all, that's really kind of when it be began to get born. And so I've really spent the last year, you know, writing, 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 building the resource, um, coming up with, you know, new ways to make it interesting and, and coming up with videos. And as my recovery got deeper than, you know, the, the things that I was offering became deeper as well. And so now I feel like I have this really nice, well-rounded resource that I can offer to people that can be beneficial to them. And, you know, so many people are struggling right now with isolation and, and grief um, that a lot of people are relapsing. A lot of people are experiencing, you know, their personal struggles with their recovery that yeah. I feel like it's, it's a really good time to put something like that out into the world and just be another resource for people that they can use. And so one of the courses, um, is about, you know, moving stress and trauma through your body. And a piece of that course is about body work, but the course, the courses overall, are um, you know, a little more well-rounded than that. They're not just focused on that one particular aspect of it, mm -hmm. but that was the thing that kind of sparked it. Now you also have like, uh, like writing, uh, not what was it, like, uh, what would you call it? Like writing exercises uh, that you do um, in the courses or what, what else in, uh, does the courses offer? Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of writing exercises. So there's like PDFs that you can, um, that you can download that well, just like they're kind of journal prompts and some of yeah. them is like basic cognitive behavioral therapy techniques about how you can switch your thinking or how maybe you could have reacted differently in a situation. Um, there's a course on forgiveness and self-compassion. So there's a lot of writing in that particular course, a lot of writing prompts in that particular course, just about, you know, um, reconvening with your inner child, um, how, you know, how you can forgive yourself and how that bleeds onto having compassion for other people and compassion for yourself. So it's a fair amount of like, of both reading and self-reflection. Mm -hmm. There's also videos, but then there are also exercises, um, exercise, like physical exercises that you can do that, you know, will just help you get into your body, really have a, a stronger mind body connection. Nice. Um, what would you, um, what kind of advice would you have for somebody that was be thinking about doing something like this? The first bit of advice that I always give to people is to take care of your physical body. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my, the supernatural course is all about, uh, the mind body connection and, you know, and yoga and meditation and all of that is really wonderful and helpful. 
But if you are just starting out, the biggest piece of advice that I can give you is to, is to take care of your physical body. The first course in um, the Supernatural Recovery Program is called Foundations, and it is built around nutrition, supplementation, rest, hydration, and reconnection. And so having a kind of basic knowledge about vitamin depletion, the vitamin depletion, um, what kind of supplementation can help you getting proper nutrition, how incredibly much like just slight dehydration can fuck with you um, and, and getting proper sleep, getting all of those things online are going to lay your yourself the foundation so that you can do the intense mental work, the intense emotional yeah. work that, lay, that lies ahead um, without those things. <clears throat> I, I feel like, you know, any kind of trauma recovery is, is almost impossible. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going through it myself, you know, I, I, that, and that is one of the, the aspects of, of my, my healing or my transformation or my, um, you know, me evolving is the uh, physical aspect. That's, that's definitely something you gotta, and, I, and it looks different for all people. You know, but as long as you have it there, I think uh, it's definitely beneficial. I think it's part of it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why it's called foundations. Cause I feel like yeah. once you have that foundation, then, you know, you, you can build the other things um, on top of that. Yeah. But some people work backwards too. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of start backwards. Like, like me, I mean, that's, that's perfect. I mean, I'm a perfect example. You know, I, I didn't know what else to do. The physical aspect was like the last thing I was even thinking about, you know, um, but now that I'm starting to learn more and I'm starting to get into this more and I've had more experiences and more time, I'm starting to see that that is obviously a huge aspect of, uh, you know, feeling a certain way, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, and I, and I do see that it's like, if you're depressed or if you're, you know, using really heavily, then you're not going to have the energy for exercise. And I think that that's something that's important, but it doesn't have to come first. I think first, you know, um, even just something as simple as like having a B vitamin deficiency, mm. which is really common with alcoholics, yeah. you get those, your B vitamin levels up to a, a workable state and that'll, you know, give you the energy to just go about your day. Have you ever looked into stuff like, um, how substance abuse, um, affects your hormone uh, levels as well? You know, I, I mean, I, I absolutely know that it does affect your endocrine system, but I couldn't speak to a lot of specifics about that. Yeah. Um, I know that there's a really strong correlation between um, blood sugar and cortisol levels. So if you have like, when your blood sugar starts to drop, your cortisol levels start to rise, which is one of your stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And that's why people get hangry. You know, if, if their blood sugar is low, um, it's also, you know, one of the reasons that anxiety can be really bad the day after heavy drinking. Um, and so I know that there's a, like an F, a cause and effect there. Um, and I'm sure that, it causes a bunch of other problems with your endocrine system as well. I just can't speak to them more deeply than that. Like the physiology of it. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, neither. <laughs> I was hoping maybe you had some. <laughs> no, but I, that's something that I, I started looking into. Uh, there's an organization called the warriors angel foundation. And uh, I remember listening to, um, the soldier who's who's part of the team that launched this organization and that was their big thing uh people that ex have experienced like head injuries or tbi or anything like that that <clears throat> oftentimes looks like ptsd or all these other things uh you know that something that they found a, a huge correlation in it now that, that's like what they're 
the organization does, but um, it's definitely something that's caught my attention too, um, because there, it's the same thing. There's um, uh, lots of things that you can do. Um, it's just, just like these exercises or um, body work, you know, that you, that you talk about um, anything, uh, including supplementation and your diet, you know, they, they, they help in that. Um, that's something, uh, something I had my eye on recently. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I think that's something that's really overlooked. You know, I think it just kind of going back to the 12 steps, um, there's a lot of emotional work that goes on there. Um, but for yeah. me, anyway, it's just in my personal recovery journey, that shit was not anywhere close to possible until I was able to get my, uh, my hormones and my sure, blood sugar yeah. from, you know, all off of the seesaw of the constant up and downs. Yeah. I think for me, it really helps, um, helps out to have that. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It could be, fuck, it could be stretching for some people, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then that's the thing is you start small. I mean, I, it, I definitely didn't just like drink vodka at seven o'clock in the morning one day. And then 24 <laughs> hours later, I've like built a recovery website and I'm, yeah. and I'm helping other people get sober, you know, like, I mean, everything, it takes a long time and it's, yeah. it can be a painful journey, but it's definitely one that's worth it. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, one of the biggest things too, is uh, the community aspect. Once you start going out and talking to other people, meeting other people, I mean, obviously a lot of this stuff is being done online, but you know, I mean, you and I, we had a face to face prior to, you know, beginning this conversation. So, you know, even that aspect of it is just so beneficial as well. That makes a huge difference. And I think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, the 12 step programs continue to thrive is because there's a fellowship that's offered there that like, yeah is really difficult to come by. And one of my goals for supernatural recovery is, you know, maybe not to operate on the same scale that AA does, because it's pretty ubiquitous and it would be really difficult to, you know, reach that scale, but yeah. to offer some sort of social aspect where, you know, we can have meetings and, um, and meditation classes and breath work classes and, you know, work through some of these exercises and, and body work and breath work, um, together, like in a social aspect. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm really happy to see people such as yourself, you know, taking the initiative and, you know, taking what you had, you know, all that knowledge and, you know, something like COVID happened and, you know, it affect you and you just, uh, you just adapted. And I look at that and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> you know, Like that shit is inspiring as fuck to me, you know, to see people Thank do you. stuff and, and, and you're, helping other people, you know, all these organizations, I, I look at this and it could be anything. It could even be an online community. Right. Um, I just, it, it really inspires me and I, I'm really happy to see people do it because um, it gives me so much hope, you know, it really does. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, it, I mean, I feel incredibly proud of what I've done and, and how far I've come. So it's really nice to be acknowledged. So thank you. It's going to be, um, will everything that you have, um, all of the, um, any links or everything, we'll have everything in the description for anybody listening. If you want to check it out, what's the website, Supernatural, Supernatural Recovery? It's supernaturalrecovery.org.org. Okay. Yeah, right. is, the, is the website. So you'll find information about me, um, you know, information about the four. There's four right now. I'm in the process of building two more uh, courses that are being offered through the website. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, which is also Supernatural Recovery. 
Nice, nice. Definitely go check that out if you're listening. If you want to show, show some uh, any any support, um, feel free. Feel free. I, I'm I'm behind um, any, anybody that does anything like this. You know, it's uh, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for everybody involved. Thank you. Now, um, well, is there anything that you would like to say, talk about, or anything else like that right now? Um, I guess the only thing really that we didn't touch on, I wanted to talk a little bit about the courses. Um, okay. And okay. Just, there's, there's four different courses and I just kind of wanted to, to give a little intro about each of those. Sure. Yeah. So um, the first one is foundations. We actually did talk about that one. Um, the second one is um, calming your nervous system, which really just gives a lot of practices, body work, breath work, um, and just general practical solutions for calming your nervous system. So when your nervous system starts going berserk, either as a trauma response or, you know, for a myriad of other reasons, you have uh, practices that you can go to instead of just reaching for your poison. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third course is called energetic transmutation. And it is about moving stress and trauma that are stuck in, you know, your physical body out of your body. And so there's a lot of um, other physical exercises, um, breath work and writing exercises and guided meditations um, to work through that. And then the final course is forgiveness and self-compassion. Uh, which we also touched a little bit on that one. Um, there's are some, you know, also guided meditations. There's a loving kindness meditation included in that one um, and other just practical exercises, cognitive behavioral therapy, journal exercises um, to just help you have more compassion for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. uh, so you got those four core and then let's say somebody goes to and, and they're done with those four courses. Like, is there any kind of after stuff or is this a continuous thing? Is this just kind of like, um, I mean, what's the, uh, like, is there follow-up after that? For sure. Yeah. So I also offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm -hmm. And so it just depends on how deep, you know, the individual wants to go. I have some people who, who sign up for the courses individually, like um, they're a trauma survivor and they just want to take the trauma course or, you know, they're just getting sober and they just want to take the foundations course. Um, you can also, of course, do, you know, all four of them all together, which is the way that it's designed. Um, and then I also offer the one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and as the site begins to build, I'm, I'm, I'm building a course on grief right now. I'm also building a course on the, the seven, the chakra system, and I'm building a course on inner child work as well. So those are all kind of like happening um, as we speak. They're just, they're not uploaded yet. I'm still in the process of, of writing all of those. Um, so it's going to, it's going to be something that grows with mm -hmm. me and grows over time. Um, and so, you know, the information that I'm giving is, is information that's out there. It's, it's ancient wisdom for modern recovery is my tagline uh, because it's information that's really um, available just so, you know, for people to integrate these practices into their daily lives so that they have other things that they can go to when they're feeling triggered or when they're feeling stressed yeah. or when they're feeling like they want to use. It's definitely needed. You know, I, I can't, you know, praise organizations like or even individuals that just do stuff like this i mean it's it's just helping people help themselves that's, that's my plan you know i yeah. mean I, I i wouldn't be where i am if it weren't for the people who have helped me and i nice. just feel like it's my duty to give back <clears throat> yeah i mean I, i'm i'm 100 down with it um is there anything you would like to say to anybody listening right now um, the only thing that comes to mind is like, if somebody's listening right now and they're struggling with active addiction, you know, I, I feel like I was, um, a pretty hopeless case 
and if it's possible for me, then it's possible for you. And, you know, it's okay to need help and, um, getting better is, is scary. Um, it's a lot, you know, we have these ideals of, and ideas about what it's going to look like when we, when we start to heal. Um, it's a really scary process, but it is, it's absolutely worth it. Every day that you invest in yourself, um, it makes it, you know, a better life for you and then a better life for all the people who are around you as well. Definitely. Laura, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for coming on here, sharing your story. And thank you for what you're doing, you know, with, with your, your organization there. I, I think it's uh, definitely something to be applauded. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to be really vulnerable and honest about, you know, what my journey has looked like, because it's definitely been messy. So I appreciate you just opening that space for me. I think that's the best way. I appreciate the honesty, you know. Okay. Well, um, for anybody listening, we will have the links in the description. Um, feel free to check out supernaturalrecovery.org and then um, follow Laura on YouTube as well under Supernatural Recovery. Yeah, that's correct. All right. Is there anything else? I, I think that's it. All right. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a good night. It's a kind of unwillingness to go it alone.